Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mindset Advantage podcast, a show dedicated to insightful conversations in a world full of sound bites. Hosted by fitness coach, performance optimization coach, and national speaker, DJ Hilliard. These podcasts are designed to help you attack the gap from where you are now to where you want to be. The episodes take a deep dive into leadership, mindset, and fitness. Follow the show on Instagram at Mindset Advantage Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is DJ Hillier and you are listening to episode 234 of the Mindset Advantage Podcast. This week I chat with national speaker, author of six books, and CEO of Master Your Mindset, Colin Henderson. Colin's innovative trainings on mindset, culture, and high performance have been utilized by some of the world's best organizations and institutions, including Nike, Zillow, the LA Dodgers, Lululemon, Amazon, FedEx, UCLA Basketball, and many, many more. Colin's new book titled Quiet Your Mind, How to Turn Down the Noise and Turn Up the Confidence and Consistent Peak Performance is one of my favorite books that I've read since starting this podcast, and it was an honor to have him on the show today. Some of the topics we got into were first, I wanted to hear how Colin overcame a speech impediment and turned himself into a national speaker. I love hearing stories and I love hearing underdog stories and somebody that is at the top of his game right now, spending a lot of his time in front of an audience, hearing that he was first had a speech impediment was mind blowing. I just had to hear how he overcame that. After that, we talked about why quieting your mind is the new currency of success. Really liked his answer there. Then we talked about how to use mental imagery to gain confidence. We talked about the HA method then five most powerful words high performers can live by. This is probably my favorite part. Then we talked about the power paradox of caring and not caring. Then we close down by talking about the lessons that Colin has learned from working with both male and female athletes on the mental game. If you found value in this conversation, please be sure to leave a rating, review, and share it on your social medias. Your five-star feedback helps the show grow tremendously and also helps to bring on more phenomenal guests like Colin. Let's go. The Mindset Advantage podcast is brought to you by Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium, with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Healthy hydration isn't just about drinking water. It's about water plus electrolytes. And it makes sense. You lose both water and sodium when you sweat. So both need to be replaced to prevent things like muscle cramps, headaches, and energy dips. Rob Wolf, founder of Element, is also a biochemist, New York Times bestseller, and previous guest on this podcast, and is someone I trust dearly. Element is currently being used by the highest performers all over the world, including athletes in the NFL, 
NBA, NHL, Special Forces, and the Olympics. There are several flavors to choose from. My favorite is the citrus salt, which is how I start every single day. And as listeners of the Mindset Advantage podcast, you can receive a free sample pack by using the link www.drinkelement.com slash mindset advantage. Again, that's www.drinklmnt.com slash mindset advantage. Go get yours now. Alan Henderson, welcome to the show, man. I'm juiced up. I'm so excited to have you on today. You're somebody that I've been researching, looking into, and I've been just excited for today's conversation. DJ, I'm part of it. Anytime we can talk the mental game, I'm all in. Absolutely. I think you and I have a lot in common. We're both college athletes. We both love the mental game. We understand that the physical game can only get you so far. And you and I probably know a bunch of people that had all the physical attributes. You know, they could they do the bench press, they could do the 40, they can just run like crazy, but they just kind of miss a mental part of the game. And I think you and I both are, are here to normalize it and then have more conversations about how we can grow this area that's continuing to kind of bud and grow and become more popularized. I think where I first want to start calling is what a lot of people don't know about you is that the speaking world and some of the mindset stuff wasn't very natural for you. I think some people see people on stage like yourself and a Tony Robbins and a Brian Kane. They think, oh, they've always been this way. It just comes easy for them. But can we just have a little bit of piece of vulnerability of, you know, it wasn't always easy for you to be on stage and be the person you are now. Can you talk a little bit about that? We love to hear stories. Yeah. If you could have asked me this question, like 10, 15 years ago, Colin, can you see yourself being on stages and traveling the country and mentoring and consulting and doing these big live events where like you're up there captivating, engaging people for an hour, two hours, half day, full day trainings. I'd be like, you're crazy because I can't put together a sentence without stuttering in a public forum because of anxiety. Yeah. So when I changed schools in sixth grade, I got asked to read out loud. And I kind of got stuck in a word and it just kind of hit me weird. And I felt so embarrassed and that warm blanket of shame um, felt through me. And there's a really good book called The Body Keeps the Score. That's where that trauma, that's where these like really, you know, events in your life that are hurtful, harmful, that your brain, your body, your nervous system stores. So I kind of had this belief that was untrue. I can't speak well in public. I can't handle myself. You know, part of my thing is, you know, I get the sweats and the heart beat, but I would kind of almost stop breathing. It's hard to put together a sentence and make it sound if you're not breathing. So uh, the other truth is what you uh, don't use, you lose. What you resist persists. So by not putting myself in those environments, my speaking fluency actually went backwards as I got older. So in my teens, as a young adult, um, this is true. People don't sometimes believe me, but there is moments I couldn't say my own name. I couldn't answer the phone. Um, I had a hard time ordering food through a drive-thru or ordering pizza on the phone. Um, my biggest fear in the corporate space when I was in sales was in these new environments when there's like a round table or like a board meeting and you had to introduce yourself because I could not hide. I had to say what division I'm in. I had to say my name. I had to say these things that we had to say. I couldn't hide around that. And that was just painstaking. But, um, you know, I'm probably like 32 years old. I just kind of got fed up. I, I kind of hit my like bottom of where I can't live like this. Not healthy, wasn't sleeping, probably wasn't the most engaged, present husband, father. And, but I'll say prior to that, I did speech therapy when I was 27 years old. And that helped me a little bit. I did Toastmasters for three years, which helped. 
but I still, um, cause I would be comfortable in that environment with the same 10, 12 people every week, you know, but put me, put a camera in front of me, put me on stage. I still, I still would struggle. So, uh, I, I changed companies and got exposed to, uh, a, a mindset coach. His name is Frankie Pretzel. Gotta give Frankie some love. Um, just taught me about the mind, you know, a lot of business people focus on these business books and business strategies. Athletes focus on body craft, but this mental side is like so untouched, so underdeveloped, not trained at all. So, um, started learning these things. So I just started to put myself in these positions. I would call my friends. Hey, can I speak at your school? Can I speak in front of your team? Can I, you know, I started blogging, started, uh, filming myself on Instagram and Facebook, just to put myself in these situations to practice these skills. What you don't use, you lose. How can you be good at something you don't practice? So long story short, now I do it for a living. So uh, maybe the take home for this is you look at people and you think, oh, they, they're just natural. That's not always true. I, I love Will Smith. Now, he kind of had a fall from grace from slapping Chris Rock. I think he's trying to build his brand back. But he he's often said in interviews, um, I'm not talented. I'm skilled. Talent is you're kind of born with it. Skill is developed by painstaking work. So this takes me a lot of years to get to this place. Mm. And I still have a lot to, lot to learn too. And I still have a lot of growth. Amen. I caught the book title, uh, Quiet Mind. And I was like, man, I got I to gotta learn more about quiet mind. Because I think now more than ever, people's minds are the opposite of quiet. And you say it exactly. How to turn down the noise and turn up the confidence in consistent peak performance. And what I really would like to hear is, I like the quote on the back of the book before we dive into the inside, but it says that quieting your mind is the new currency of success. Can you break that down? Well, look at all the input we have. Um, it's been noted that uh, in two or three days, a human being will consume as much digital and marketing content that's created as we did from the dawn of time up to 2003. So let me just say that again. There is as much data produced that we are exposed to in two or three days as was produced from the dawn of time until 2003. So with the, the invention of cell phones and smart TVs and apps and emails, everything's digital everything's in front of us and we are visually exhausted. We have visuals all the time, PowerPoints, you know, um, scrolling on TikTok. I mean, everything is so thrown at us. So what, what I call it is that external interference creates what I call internal interference. So it's hard to be still quiet to, um, to think clearly to have stillness to as we have inner wisdom inside of us that's often blocked because we're so saturated with 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 information and it's hard to really distill what's most important what should i focus on what's true so i think what what i've seen as i work with the highest performers in the world is they have the, the ability to turn down the noise and turn up clarity turn up confidence and have a set of mental skills to quiet that noise so um, it's so frustrating seeing leaders, parents, coaches just tell their people, oh, let's be more mentally tough. Let's be more focused. It's like, well, how do I do that? It's really hard. So um, I, as you're seeing as a, a CrossFit coach, you know, as a personal trainer, strength coach, you can't just roll out. Well, here's what you physically can do. You have to tap into, well, here's how you should be thinking. Here's how you should process failure. Here's how you should create self-awareness. Um, here's how you should talk to yourself to help you execute that physical thing that I am teaching you. 
So, um, and the data on mental health, I mean, I can go through the stats if you want. If we're not having some reps or some exposure to some coaching in the, the mental performance space, we're being negligent. There's a negligence we're seeing with um, people, the, the numbers of lack of engagement at work, depression and, and anxiety. Uh, people want to quit their job because of burnout overwhelm. So if we're not having some systems in place for ourselves and for the people we serve and lead and love, we're being negligent. Talk a lot about self-talk on this podcast, and I think it, it continues to come back and back and back to it because it is so important. And when we talk about quiet mind, I think your brain, you know, immediately goes also to self-talk. In your book, you say that eighty percent of our thoughts are actually negative. I read that out loud and told my wife, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's insane to me." That you know, to me, eighty percent is a ton. You're, it's almost a full-time job for you to have to think positive. And it, now that I'm having more conversations with student athletes, it's it's mind-blowing and very sad, honestly, how many thoughts are negative in these kids' mind. Where do you start calling when you're working with an athlete on negative self-talk? I'm assuming there's something to do with awareness or maybe, you know, discovering is it positive, is it negative? Or also, you know, some people too call and there's like, I've just always been this way. You know, this is this is just kind of how I this is how I talk to myself. How do you go about changing some of my self-talk or maybe even educating them on the importance of it? Well, I would start with just awareness. Mm-hmm. And asking the question, are you aware of your inner voice? Are you aware of your this inner dialogue? Because um, uh, consciously, we say around 6,000 thoughts to ourselves per day on a subconscious level, which is like default autopilot. It's I've read research up to 70 to even 80,000 thoughts per day. So the reality is, is for us to survive and function, your brain is working. But if you look at the work from Jim Quick, you know, some say the world's best brain trainer. Uh, Self-talk is the program that runs your brain like a laptop or a computer. Your self-talk is the program that runs and operates everything that we do. So the the phrasing is, is it by design or by default? Because you quoted the research from the, the National Science Foundation, four to five thoughts are negative, nine out of 10 are reoccurring. So we're in this like shame and, and fear cycle of recreating you know, experiences or fears that oftentimes we create a story around it. It's not even true. And so your brain's going to think, so what if we had some more structure and just like you would pre-plan your outfits, you would pre-plan your meals, pre-plan some neutral to productive thoughts. Earl Nightingale, one of the OGs in the mental game, you know, he says, uh, we become what we think about most of the time. And that is the strangest secret. Actually, it's not strange. So I would start with awareness. Well, awareness precedes behavior change. If we're not aware, we can't change. So. Just having a w- awareness that you know your brain's wired for negativity. Are you aware of how negative you are within yourself? So step one would be just take a week and just observe. The very word mindful means to pay attention. Mindfulness is the practice of being aware, and really this this goal of being present without judgment. So let's not judge these negative thoughts, but you have the power to stop them. So think about doing a thought stomp call these ants, automatic negative thoughts. Just notice, put your feet on the ground, be where your feet are, stomp these negative thoughts, these ants, and try to have self-compassion, not judge, and have a, a pre-planned uh, you know, talk track or self-talk, what you want to focus on, truths about yourself. Um, the uh, One of the most mentally tough humans on the planet, David Goggins calls it his mental cookie jar. So you would have some some thoughts to, to reference, you know, when you overcame difficult things. 
uh, your preparation, the work you're doing. Um, we call this having anchor statements, like an anchor on a ship keeps it present. No anchor, the wind waves, we'll call this the drift. It drifts away from the present moment. So memorize a few phrases. I tell myself I'm authentic, I'm present, I'm, I'm courageous. So, but it starts with awareness, like identify what are some common negative thoughts. And uh, this is from Ali Love on the Peloton. She says, you know, your first thought will be negative, but your second, third, fourth thought doesn't have to be. And uh, love a, the book called Emotional Agility by, by Susan David. And uh, she asked the question, who's in charge, the thinker or the thought? So, DJ, I'll ask you that question. Listeners, hey, if, if we're sitting down and having coffee at Starbucks and we're just open, like, oh, right, you know, you're in a workshop of mine and say, hey, tell the audience, what do you think? Who's in charge, the thinker or, or the thought? The thinker should be in charge. Should be, you know, but I think you look at it, you know, it's kind of like walking a dog. Who's walking who? The master, mm. the owner or the dog. So if the mind is untrained, the thought will win. If the mind is trained, the thinker will win. So that's the aim is you want to create that awareness. And I think it's just detaching. You don't have to be defined by your thoughts. Like it's, they're going to come and go. It's a natural part, but part of this phenomenon, which is called neuroplasticity, just like getting your body more fit, healthier, you can rewire, reprogram and reconfigure your brain by changing these thought patterns, changing what you think about, focus on what you visualize and having those thoughts turn into actions. So you can create new neural pathways. You can create new mental grooves that create this identity that you start to become what you think about. So it takes work. It takes work. Going to CrossFit for 45 minutes, you got your, your wad, your workout of the day, like doing cleans and pull-ups and burpees, like that stuff is hard, but you become more fit. Like having time for yourself to just breathe and calm down your nervous system and have that and practice that. Practicing gratitude and thinking about what you have, not what you don't have. But I would even take it a step further. Don't just think it, feel it in, in your cells. Your body produces over 300 billion cells per day. Your cells have memory. Your cells are listening. So don't just think, feel. Another OG mindset coach is Neville Goddard. And so he talks about, um, he talked about, don't just think, but feel what it's going to feel like or what you want to experience. Because there's this phenomenon, the brain cannot tell the difference between what is real and, and what is imagined. So going to the mind gym and breathing, gratitude, powerful self-talk, and then set intention and visualize the things that you want to do. Visualize the performance, visualize, you know, your test or giving a speech or, or asking that person on a date or just dress rehearse it in your mind. And the body can't tell the difference. And if you follow uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he calls us, you're creating a future memory. So even though you haven't experienced it in real life, your brain and body thinks you have because it has the same response. So it starts with awareness, starts with awareness, identify, identify, and um one of the first books I read is called Positive Intelligence by Shirzat Shermin, and he labels this. We all have this inner judge, this inner critic. So if you can detach you yourself from the thought, the thought isn't the thinker, the feeling isn't the feeler, and just kind of separate and just label it. If you can name it, you can tame it. Okay, that's my critic. That's my inner judge. That's not me. That's this ancient brain that's trying to sabotage me. Okay, now let's go to truth. I can actually challenge these thoughts and, okay, who am I? Let's go back to my values. Let's have, you know, my, this self-talk. Let's, let's give, you know, the gratitude, what, what is in my control. Okay. What's the next right step? What do I visualize and kind of just, kind of just do this over and over and over and over and over again 
moment to moment, but actually carve out time each day, you know, five minutes or four minutes. I call this the four minute mental workout. Breathe for a minute, go through the ha method. I have thoughts and feelings for a minute. I am, you know, or affirmations for a minute. And I will is visualize your intention. So, I mean, I just answered that pretty long, but uh, yeah, change yourself, talk, change your life. I can give you lots of examples of um, if you want me to, but I can just pause if you want me to. Oh, that's there. great, man. I, I would love to, you kind of dovetailed into an area I wanted to go into was the hob method. Can you break that down into more detail? Yeah. So again, let me just re- remind you, you know, I was um, in sales, selling to doctors, um, health systems, and, you know, it's pretty nerve wracking, you know, talking to a very educated customer, very been to school long. I went to school and talking about scientific terms and patient types. And, um, you know, I had some, some good years, some good moments, but sometimes I was presenting, it would get the best of me when I changed companies selling catheters to, you know, urologists, hospital surgeons. And I, I got exposed to Frankie pretzel and he started teaching me these things. And he gave me all these resources to study and read these articles, these journal, um, um, you know, thought leaders, uh, videos on YouTube. And I just kept seeing these common themes just pop up all the time that for hundreds, thousands of years, like these same, whether you call it mental health or peak performance or wellness, or, I mean, some old school called a positive thinking. I think I look and make an argument. Sometimes positive thinking is not, is more hurtful. Or, you know, when you verbalize positivity, it's, it could be just as hurtful as being negative because like, we're lacking awareness. Like we're going through some, some shit right here. But I just just saw these patterns like, well, what if I did these four things every day? Just like, you know, we should hydrate, we should get rest recovery, we should be moving our body. Well, these are some ways we should be thinking. If I can train my brain and train my focus and mindset to do this every day, good things come. And if you really uh, believe that one of my favorite um, acronyms is TBT, not Throwback Thursday, thoughts become things. If you can start to program and rewire what you focus on, your energy, your frequency, your, your thought life, your thought atmosphere, good things sh- should come. Because if you, again, if you prescribe to Earl Nightingale, you become what you think about most of the time. This can't hurt you. There's, there's no downside of this, you know. So four minutes a day. So, you know, breathing for a minute, being connected to the present moment. Notice my breath. Thoughts may come and go. Don't judge it. Just gently come back to your breath. That's like doing bicep curls for your focus. We all know focus helps us execute our, our presentation, executing hard conversations, executing as an athlete, executing like a CrossFit games, like, you know, a lot on the line here, a lot of training. Can you take what you did and practice into the competition? Well, focus can help us that. Well, how do we train focus? By practicing focus to really focus on, I'm going to focus on one thing right now. That's all I'm going to focus on. And then the hot method is I have, I am, I will. So I, I have our thoughts of gratitude, lowers cortisol, uh, lowers, um, scores of depression, anxiety, boosts your immune system. It lowers inflammation. I mean, there's a lot of evidence on gratitude, what it does for you physically and mentally. And uh, I th- you know, when I teach confidence, I think that's an easy word that people can understand. Kind of the mental game, people kind of get like, you know, that's kind of a academic, esoteric, woo-woo, kind of like whatever. But hey, who thinks confidence is important? We all can agree that confidence is a really nice thing to have when we're living our life. Um, well then where does confidence come from and research from the, the BBC lab in the UK, 44,000 patients led led by Andrew Lane. They found that self-talk was the number one driver of confident action. So that should be a skill that we should practice on having productive self-talk internally. The edge Institute 
uh, reported that what you say to yourself has 10 times the power versus what other people say to you. So if I can tell you your inner voice is going to shape confidence, it's going to shape inner peace, inner clarity, self-compassion, self-love, and quiet some of the negative stuff, I would just practice that. And um, the last one is I will is set your intention and visualize. What do you want? DJ, what, what, what do you want the most? Um, well, we talked about a little bit before and a little bit, and we actually kind of shared, I want to normalize mental training and I want to make, I want to make a big impact. Um, I want to make as big of an impact as I can when I'm on this earth. I want to impact as many people as I can in a positive way and show them how important the mental game can be. Not only your performance in the gym or in your sport, but also in everyday life. So that's macro. So I'd go to the mind gym and I'd visualize a world where you're doing those things. You're having these conversations, having these meetings, doing that work, seeing, feel as if it's already, it's already done. And then, but what about micro, like, like today or this week? What, what, what do you want? What do I want today? Today, I want to have a great conversation with you, learn as much as I can. I want to educate my staff later today, going through a staff meeting. Um, and then I want to be able to have uh, impactful and, and, and uh, valuable um, uh, mental performance session with one of my athletes later today. I just want to bring value wherever I go today. Most people can, can't say that with that much clarity. So part of this work is, these days is kind of slow it down and just dress rehearse it in your mind first and kind of see and feel and imagine, use your imagination, all your senses, you know, sight, sound, taste, like you are creating these experiences and a powerful thing happens. You start to attract, you start to have omens, ideas. Your brain is like Google. The problem is we're asking our subconscious the, the wrong questions. Why am I not lovable? Why don't people respect me? How come I can't get the deal? It's just affirming what you don't want. So by doing that work of visualizing, um, such a powerful, powerful thing that happens is uh, your nervous system. So I've been here before. Your subconscious, conscious. So I've, I've seen this. This is familiar to me. This is like me. And... Um, it's just a really good thing to start practicing because everything happens twice first in our mind then in in like life yeah so cool man uh recently i had a chance to talk have my first seminar i co-hosted with my dad we went to a school in wisconsin and it was my first time in front of an audience we had 100 athletes and he's been doing this for 33 years this is my first time and the night before i was in the hotel and i did exactly what you're talking about before i went to sleep i closed my eyes and i I, I went through the dress rehearsal. I saw myself on the stage and I went through all my stuff and, and I just did it all in my mind. And Colin, I tell you what, the next day I wasn't nervous at all. My heart wasn't racing at all. I was almost concerned that I wasn't nervous because I was like, man, this is, this is a big deal. This is your first time. And my dad was even like, are you, are you feeling whatever? And I was like, man, I feel good. And I think I know when I think about it, it's because I rehearsed it all in my mind. And I, and I felt like I had already done this, that along with, I've also put in the preparation and the work. And I believe with what in with full heart on what I'm teaching and talking about, but there is such power in seeing it before it happens. Yeah. So, so Michael Phelps, most gold medals in the Olympics of all time, two things, you know, every time he'd pass the door, he'd give himself an affirmation. He's on record interview saying that that was one of his routines to, to train his mind. Another thing he would do is he would spend 30 minutes in, in his practice daily is to visualize his races from beginning to end in the green room, waiting, playlist, you know, walking out on the pool deck, walking around, seeing the crowd, hearing the crowd, hearing the music, jumping on you know, the platform and his, um, 
hat goggles, you know, and even visualizing when his, if his goggles would get fogged up, how he would respond. If his cap would break, what he would do, like he would dress rehearse, not only winning, but like how he would respond. So, you know, there's some really powerful examples and I can give some more examples on the evidence. So, um, the, the two studies I, I reference is one is from the University of Chicago looking at basketball and they had uh, students practice shooting f- free throws. So group one would practice making free throws, you know, each day. Group two, no practice, nothing. That was the control. Group three would not shoot, but they would visualize making free throws. After a month of doing that every day, group one that practiced um, shooting free throws making free throws physically increase their percentage by 24%. Group two, no practice, nothing, no improvement. Group three, that simply visualized, didn't shoot, just use their mind and body physically, like closing their eyes and experiencing as if they were making it, they increased their percentage by 23%. Um, the other one is from the Cleveland Clinic looking at, this is something you can teach your your, your people at CrossFit. They looked at, at strength training and Group one would lift weights every day for a month. Group two would just visualize lifting weights each day for a month. After that month, the group that lifted weights increased their strength by 30%. Group two that did not lift but visualized lifting weights increased their strength by almost half as a group that trained physically. It was uh, 12.5% or no, 13.5%. So I just don't know why people don't do this. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a performance enhancer, you know, and, and if you're playing sports, you work with your athletes. By, by taking the ball away from that experience, you get a perfect rep because you can see and feel exactly how you want it to, want it to go. You said, you said that you don't know why a lot of people don't do this. Well, why do you think that is? Why do you think a lot of people skip over this? They don't have a coach or it hasn't been normalized. I mean, look at the high school level and like junior high and all these club teams and a lot of college teams they just haven't caught up with what the Olympic and a lot of the like pro athletes are doing, or at least these teams are trying to like expose. You have a, a skills coach, how to dribble, shoot, pass, kick, tackle, throw, catch. You have a, a physical strength coach, how to be more explosive, more endurance, you know, lift more weight, jump higher. But all that doesn't matter if you can't think the right way. Cause I experienced that as a two sport college athlete, you know, I wasn't having a good, you know, sophomore, junior season of football, my coping mechanism was to run extra routes, was to catch more balls. But training more physically doesn't guarantee success. Actually, I got slower. I got burnt down. I was putting more pressure on myself and my performance actually suffered more. So I think they just, they, that we know it's, we know it's important. I just don't, and also here's my honest opinion on this, DJ. I don't think there are a lot of really skilled coaches who like, make it cool and make it real and make it tangible and use great storytelling and make it engaging. This could be like really boring. Like it's just, this is kind of weird. So I think if you want to teach the mental game is what, what's your personal story? Is it rooted in evidence-based stuff? But can you make it practical? Can you make it real world? Can you make a tangible call to action? I'd love to hear how you use mental imagery with your teams. Could you walk us through, you know, what does that look like? What's your process? Are you, are you uh, open to sharing that? Yeah. So there's a few ways you can do it. So I would teach the Ha method every morning, start your day with the Ha method. So breathe. I have, am I will. And then before your, your performance, um, carve out, I don't know, same thing, four to five minutes 
I call this OPS, Optimal Performance State. And this was inspired by one of the greatest athletes of all time, Pele. And and Pele was expressing his pregame routine as he would uh, get to the locker room early and roll up a towel behind his head, lay down on a bench and close his eyes, go to the mind gym. And he would replay when he was in Brazil as a kid playing soccer on the beaches, just like pure joy. No pressure, no expectation, but he would connect to his love of the game. And then the next step was he would uh, look back and remember his best performances, his best matches, his best shots, his best passes, his best moves, and kind of condition his mind to get into that peak state to remind himself why he's the best. And then he would look up. And then he would uh, mentally visualize, you know, where he's playing and the matchup and, and see, you know, the the angles and the passes and the goals. And he would experience it like he would create like a great performance as mine before for that match. And that was one of he credits as one of his like secrets to success is like he would no one taught him this. This is just what he did. This was his process. Um so I would just have my, my athletes and performers, even if you're a CEO or if you're a sales professional, sales and sports are the same thing, really, is just have have a, a daily priming system where most of our priming is watching negative news and looking at Instagram, looking at all your emails and you like wonder why, you know, you're in this like anxious state all day. Well, what if you, you know, we love Brian Kane. He says sweat before screen. So before you look at a device, a DM or an email or scroll, get your get your sweat on physically, also mentally. So I use this called habit stacking. When I work out, I always stack the ha method with it in the like sauna or like the steam room, where I'll do the, I'll do the my breath, my breath work, my gratitude, my affirmations, and I visualize. But but before I go on stage, I do the similar thing where I like just remember all the things that have led me to this place, you know. Um, all the people, you know, the joy that I get from doing this work. And then I look back at, you know, Hey, I've actually, I've spoken in front of a thousand people before I I've been in some hostile environments and I've won the crowd over, um, Colin, you don't need to change who you are for, for where you are. Trust your training, be authentic, trust your preparation, trust your, your great storytelling. And then, then see, you know, like you did with those hundred athletes is this kind of, I like to look at, you know, if it's a hotel or conference room and, to kind of visually see what it looks like before I, I do it. You know, if I'm teaching an athlete, we'll like look up the stadium, we'll look up, you know, the hotel, we'll kind of like be, be familiar with that environment. So like, you again, your, your nervous system, your brain, uh, you feel comfortable because like, oh, I've seen this before. Um, so I would do that exact same thing. So cool. One of my uh, favorite books is The Confident Mind by Dr. Nate Zinser. And he was on my podcast about a year ago. And one of the things he taught me was the mental bank account. And I've had some athletes do this where, they create a folder in their phone. It's called their mental bank accounts, the top 10, and they have their top 10 images, videos, or game film that brings back energy and just kind of hypes them up, puts them in a good place. And so before a game, all I have some athletes do is instead of swiping through Twitter or TikTok, they'll open up their mental bank account, swipe through their 10 images that bring out the most confidence in them. It could be a goal. It could be them lifting weight. It could be them hanging out with their family, whatever the photo is. And that puts them in a much better place. And that's literally what the last thing they do. And then they put in their locker and they go out to the game and it puts them in almost a, a state of energy, confidence, and you know brings out better body language, which I think all cultivates higher peak performance. Yeah, I work with a baseball team recently, um, and I call this. Hey, everybody, develop their confidence card. So get like a a, a note card, right? Confidence card again. Confidence. Uh, there's more than preparation. Like you need to verbally, you know, 
um, affirm who you are, not who you aren't. Affirm, you know, who you want to be, not not we don't want to be. Really play to win, not play to lose. A lot of people play not to lose. They play not to fail. So the brain thinks of four dimensions. A word creates a picture, which creates an emotion, which creates a belief. It's called 4D thinking. A word creates a picture, which creates an emotion, which creates a belief. And a lot of these beliefs are not based off of truth, but our perception of the truth. So if we can formulate truth, and in your confidence card, write down, you know, three times of past success when you've overcame hard things, like some examples of like, you can do this. Here's evidence. The second one is how you prepared, how you've earned the right to be credible with your self-talk. Because you can just give just blank affirmations, but you're not doing right. the work. That's that's right. that's meaningless. Right. And and some you know research you know sometimes affirmations actually hurt you if if they're not rooted in, in truth. If you don't believe sure. it because sure. it creates this false reality. But so past success, your your preparation is giving. Why would you practice if you don't trust, DJ? I mean, it's like I've prepared, and let's you know the the process is fearless. Trust my training and my routines, and then. The, the third one, um, again, you can call them anchor statements or focus keys. What do you want to focus on, you know, for you to, to shrink, shrink your focus? Um, there is some new evidence that came out out of China looking at athletes. Um, just read this, this this past month where they're looking at three types of, of self-talk. The first one was motivational self-talk. The second one was instructional self-talk. And the third one was decisive self-talk. In pressure situations, which one of those three was the most helpful? So motivations, like I got this. Instructional would be coaching yourself up. Uh, decisive is is deciding and committing to one action. I'm which curious, one do you think? It? I have no idea, man. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, man. Well, I mean, um, you, you're you're a, you're a mental performance yeah, coach. I, um, mm, I would see them all being played in a different spot, and they probably all work in different areas. I might guess instructional. I might guess instructional, but I'm not totally sure about that. I mean, they all they all are helpful, but the most impactful was decisive self-talk. Mm. So what what decisive is, is I'm going to pick one thing and I'm going to commit to it and I'm going to focus on that. I'm going all in. There's no wishy-washy, you know, am I wearing the right shoes? Is this the right play call? Um, should I execute this movement? No, it's like I'm going to only focus on that. Focus on the function, not the fear. Focus on the function, not, you know, process over outcome, process, not the prize, you know? So, uh, that, that was the most helpful. So in that, in those, that last one with your, your anchor statements or your, your, your focus keys, um, pick a few things you want to execute. So, you know, hands back, quiet head, stay low. In the 1996 Olympics, uh, Michael Johnson set the world record in the 200, won the 400, won the, the 400 relay. And he says, you know, um, what helped him was he would say these four things. And that's all he'd focus on. Head down, pump my arms, explode, I'm a bullet. So it's hard to have, ne it's hard to have negative thoughts come in if you're feeling it, right. something neutral to, to productive on going to truth. The best focus on less. Not more. 100%. Uh, another piece that I, I double underlined, and I'm, I've been sitting on it for a little while. I'd love for you to break it down a little bit. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it the way you do. You say, the five most powerful words a high performer can live by is, I am not, sorry, I'm not defined by this. I think this is really, really crucial. It's been on my mind recently because I think it sways two ways, both negatively 
and positively. Good things happen, bad things happen. I'm not defined by this. Can you open that up? Yeah, a lot of uh, human beings attach worth to what they do. You may have heard this, you know, we're not human doings, we're human beings. So it's like shifting your energy and focus on being authentic, being your best, not the best. And that was my struggles. I would attach my worth tied to performance. If I had success, I felt worthy. If I failed, I felt worthless. So it's like, and this is just a, this is a sport. Let's just be real. You know, um, I wrote in Quiet Mind, the inventor of basketball, Naismith, he did not like, okay, I'm going to create an activity that creates massive anxiety in people's lives. It's going to break up families. It's going to be, you know, trauma and, and like scarring emotionally. That's going to hold people for the rest of their life. No, it's like, let's create uh, an activity that creates uh, health, physically challenge, teamwork, you know, so, but I think, you know, parents are at fault a lot. They, uh, they shape this, uh, this association to worth because they, they give praise when kids do well and they beat them up when they don't. So they naturally attach their, their worth tied to it. Um, but I think there's something really freeing when you can just walk into any situation and it's like, I'm not defined by what happens here. I'm choosing to play because I love it. And I think that's where grit is found. That's where resilience is found um, because you can respond to failure. Is failure a devastation or an, an education? You know, does failure define you or does it refine you? That's having a growth mindset. So it's hard to do that if you have this fixed mindset where it's ego, it's image, uh, getting validation and results. You know, you feel threatened when other people have success, you know. Um, so that's a very freeing place to be. Mm-hmm. And Colin, I, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe it's just the circle I run with, but I, I feel like that this might be a really challenging for some athletes to really understand. I think it's one thing to learn it, hear me and you talk about it, but it's another thing to live it. I mean, to really live knowing that I'm not defined by my outcome when, gosh, sometimes, you know, th- the higher you go up in sports, that's how you are defined. You watch sports center. That's how, I mean, you're always debating who's the greatest of all time. You're, you're, de- you're defined by your stats. How do you break this down to an athlete that is, is struggling with this? Well, here's the truth. You can't control results. You can't control stats. You can't control outcomes out of our control. So one of my chapters in Quiet Mind is that I say, stay in your frame. Your frame is what is in your control. So the debate of who's the GOAT, there's no definitive clear winner. I mean, that's let people debate. I can't control that. Am I playing because of that external validation or am I playing because I'm obsessed with the sport? I love it. I love to grow. I love to compete. So if that's your motive to um, have people praise you, you're in the wrong business because you'll never win. LeBron has a ton of haters. Tom Brady has a ton of haters, but they have this long career because they, they, they love the process. So I would shift and have them, I would work with them and ask them, well, why do you play? Honestly, tell me, why do you play? Cause if their answer, um, because I love it. If it's not that then they won't be great. That's just a fact. They won't be great. So I would shift to evaluate, was I consistent with my values? And and my core values when I present is I'm authentic, I am present, I'm courageous. So I'm going to go on stage or on a podcast. I'm going to be myself and be authentic. I don't have to prove anything. I'm going to be fully engaged and present with this conversation, with this audience. And it's all I think about is them. And then I'm going to have courage. If I feel nerves, good. It means I'm in a new environment. I'm growing. Good. You can't grow if you're in this zone of comfort. 
So, um, and then just look at, look at learning. You know, it's what did I learn out of this. Let's go. I'm not defined by it, but there, you can learn from success and, and from, from failure. Um, but I love kind of helping uh, performers understand flow. Being in a flow state. DJ, let's talk about flow for a moment. Like, how, how would you break down flow? I touch on it in, in the book. Yeah. Um, I had a chance to talk to Stephen Kotler about this and read some of his books and I love flow as well. I love being in flow. So what I've learned from him is that flow is that time when, uh, time kind of disappears, effort disappears and you know, it's in, you're in the zone. You can't miss, um, yeah, effort is effortless. I think is what he says. And you're just, nothing can stop you, man. You don't, you don't even feel pain. You don't feel fatigue. You're in the, what I call in the zone. Yeah. And Kotler has got great resources, um, great programs, great books. Um, let's just give credit to the, 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 the flow founder, Dr. Mihai chicks at Mihai. So a few things, like you said, yeah, flow is in the zone. So fully present, no past, no future, not judging or taking good or bad. You have this, as you mentioned, this, this endless energy, um, you have a clear goal, you're getting feedback, but a clear distinction of flow is the activity is the reward, not the outcome. Say that one more time. The activity is the reward, not the outcome. So if you're playing for the only the outcome, you cannot endure a long career. You, it's hard to endure setbacks because if you're a human being, if you're an athlete or a performer, if you, I don't care if you're, an, if you're an actor, you know how much rejection you get. Talk about Justin Sua, you know, his daughter, you know, she, she has a show on Disney and he's like, man, she's heard no. And his son, you know, does music, produce music. There's so much rejection. So, if you only do your craft, your work, your calling for someone's approval, like you will not survive. So it's finding something that you're obsessed with, you're curious about, you think about, you talk about, and just do it for that love. Do it for, for the growth. I'm assuming this podcast, DJ, is because you're curious about high performance. And you're probably not overly critiquing how many listens or how many streams or maybe a little bit because you want people to listen to you, but you probably just love it. And like, I'm just, I love doing it. Man, that's so and funny you say that. that dude. I have, that's, that's where so, we should be. I'm spot. You're spot on. I have seven skills to have a, uh, uh, elevated mindset. The number one skill is curiosity. And then also I have a guy that does all my statistics. I ask him maybe once a year, Hey, where are we at? <laughs> and I just let it go. Cause I don't care. Cause I would do this even if nobody listened. So the fact that you pointed that out, man, absolutely. Good. Yeah, when I started uh, our podcast in 2018 with my, my, my buddy Tanner Pierce, T Money, I was like, I don't want to know anything until we've done 100 episodes. Don't tell me anything on you know listens or streams or reshares or, or mentions or whatever it is. I just want to just get in here be in the lab and just talk about how, how to master your mindset. Mm-hmm. So cool, man. One more piece I wanted to get to in your book, and I actually just had uh, Sue on the show. And we kind of talked about this as well, so it's been a, a fresh on my mind. But it's the the powerful paradox is is having the ju- the justification approach of these two concepts: care and don't care. And you talk about confident yet humble, competitive yet compassionate, expert yet beginner, ambitious yet grounded, aware yet curious, determined yet flexible. And you say uh, in your book that. Um, the, the goal is to deeply care about your craft, have unwavering self-love and clarity of what matters to you, and sincerely care about the well-being of others. Yet, at the same time, do not care or get paralyzed by what others think of you or your actions. Sounds easy and rational on paper, but extremely hard to execute. 
I'd love to break this down. I think there's so much worth in that care, don't care mentality. Talk to me about that. Um, it's just, that's, that's what we're talking about is process over outcome. It's doing it for the intrinsic motivation instead of the the extrinsic. And it's kind of like dating, you know, if you go into a social environment and okay, I got to get a date. I got to, I got to get, you know, the name number. I got to meet this person. Like you put so much expectation and pressure and it never works. So a truth of high performance of influence is the person with nothing to prove is the most powerful person in the room. People follow the competent person over the competent person. That's kind of interesting. So if you can uh, look at your craft and what you're doing and say, you know what? I, I really love this. I love doing this. So whether you like it or not, whether I win or lose, I really don't care because like I'm obsessed with this. And I have a ton of patience. Uh, Simon Sinek wrote the book, The Infinite versus the Finite Game, where it's like, if it's finite, like there's like a, a time clock, a window. If it's infinite, it's never stopping. So it's like, I'm playing with a different set of rules than you because I found what lights me up. I found what I'm good at. I found my strength and I'm just going to keep showing up and double downing on this. And by not caring, I actually not caring about, you know, the result or your, here's the truth. No one's critiquing you the way you are. That's the kind of secret to this whole thing is you think everyone's observing and critiquing what you're doing. They're not even paying attention. They're, they're worried about how they look. So that's where I say kind of don't care. And the story I t- share in the book was arguably you could make a case, talk about goats, that Eminem is the greatest rapper of all time. I mean, you could with the Grammys and the album sales and the streams and the cultural impact, or I don't know, I mean, you know, I like Jay-Z, I like Biggie and Tupac, but I mean, you, you could make an argument. And he was in this this interview and he was explaining, you know, my first album I made was absolutely horrible. Because in the mid-90s, the only way, you know, to get heard was on the radio or on, on MTV or, or BET. There was just no other way to get heard. There was no streaming sites. There was no Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music. So it's like, I made an album that I thought people want to hear. And it was horrible. And I'm back against the wall. Like I need, I just had a baby. Like I need to feed my family. I mean, I almost quit the rap game. He said, well, once I tapped into my alter ego, Slim Shady, and just didn't, just didn't care and just like went crazy in the studio and just did what I want to do. But the phrasing he said was just unbelievable. And I'll, I'll keep it, I'll keep it PG ready. He said, once I stopped giving an F, people started giving an F. I think people are drawn towards an authentic, an authentic presentation of what you believe what's most important to you because most people don't have that skill they want to fit in i love james clear atomic habits i can quote like a million things from that book but one of the things that he taught us is people will lower their goals in order to fit in Mm. so if someone has this care don't care man i'm out here doing my thing man because i love it and i'm gonna keep doing it and i'll i'll take you know, constructive feedback, but um, I'm P. Diddy. I'm never going to stop stopping. I'm never going to stop not stopping. You know, did I say that right? I'm never going to stop not stopping. So, um, God, there's there's so much freedom in that. There's so much freedom in jumping in the studio, um, jumping on on a stage or a podcast or 
presenting in front of, of your peers, which could be very scary, and just saying, you know, I love you, but I just don't need your validation because, you know, I, I have done the work to have self-compassion. I've healed some of my past traumas because a lot of people project pain that's not processed. I've done some work to process some of that stuff. And my favorite moment is now. I'm in flow because what I'm doing is the reward. Yeah, I love that. I think some people, I think you, you would agree that I think people are their own worst critic. And I think what you said was so powerful about, um, you know, sometimes we think everybody's watching and everybody cares. Everybody's critiquing us and newsflash. They're, they're not, I mean, they're not, they're, they're really not even at the highest level, like other people have other things going on. And you know, there's just a little bit of ego in that, but I think just realizing like, man, life goes on. People got other things to worry about. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, one of my mentors is Josh Lifrak. He was the director of mental skills with the Cubs when, when they won the World Series. And he told me this this past week. We were at an event in Orlando. And um, he was like, yeah, one of our players went like 0 for 4 with like four strikeouts. And it's like ninth inning. And he's like, gosh, I've you know, this has been a rough day. Um, just really struggling. And one of his teammates is like, it's been a rough day. Like we're, we're, we're about to win the game. Like we're talking about, like he didn't even notice he went over the other guy went over four. Wow. He went, he didn't even, he had no idea, you know? So we're all in this space where we only see ourselves. Um, but that's where, you know, having that, that, that perspective, I'm not defined by this. What's the lesson. Let's compete one play, one moment at a time. Um, let's grow. And there's going to be a tomorrow. And it's just baseball. It's just chess club. It's just debate. It's just ballet. I mean, um, but then, then they would say, well, then would you lower your standards because you don't have this, this uh, expectation? That's, that's not true. I think we set the expectation best off, based off of what's in your control and a level of performance that, that models your passion. And I think just having compassion within and, um, just, just, just evaluating, you know, other parameters. I think the problem is, problem is DJ is like we are conditioned at early age to evaluate the, the wrong things. Yeah. Comes back to what we're defined by. Awesome, man. Hey, as we close down, I'm curious, Colin, you've been in this, you've been coaching the mental game for a long time. I'm, I'm, I'm curious working with, I know you work with females in, in UCLA. You also work with obviously a lot of males. Is there any difference between, obviously we all need all this stuff and, and it's super important, but it, have you noticed a difference as you've been educating and working with females versus males do some do do females kind of gravitate more towards these types of skills males more towards these types of skills is there any differences or main things that you've kind of noticed in a pattern uh throughout your years that maybe would be helpful for for the listeners i from my experience i feel that females are, are more open to it oh i don't know if you've experienced that or not i'm i'm, I'm newer into the game than you are so i'm just yeah. i'm just diving in but go ahead teach me well, the, the National Institute of Health, 30% of females have anxiety, where 20% of males. So there's a, a 10% more just natural, like just, just being anxious. And uh, working um, with, I've worked with a lot of collegiate female athlete programs. Um, the, the concept of self-image seems to be very sticky and important to them. Can we break that down? It's, well, I have, we have four daughters. So... It's so unfair. Like, look at Instagram, like what people post, what gets the most views, what gets the most like. And now with name, image, likeness, you know, we see these thirst traps. 
and there's this pressure of looking a certain way, like this body image thing, mm -hmm. you know, that's can be debilitating. It's unfair. So I think for the female athlete, um, I've, I've just seen the concept of having, how do you have a healthy self image that's rooted in self-compassion of accepting, loving yourself and not comparing, not chasing worth and love by how you look, which that's easy to say. It's hard to do, you know? So that I would say that topic I've seen is, has resonated, you know, and just believing in yourself. Um, um, I love some of the, you know, research from, from Dr. Valerie Young at Harvard. Uh, she cites that 70% of humans have imposter syndrome. Where I think a lot of males have this false cockiness. You know, they just think they know everything. You know, so having, having I think humility for males, I think gratitude for males. Um, I, you know, the, the number one goal for young people is to look cool. I think males have that. They fall into that trap a little bit. So talking about gratitude and talking about service, um, I think those concepts are powerful. But, you know, self-image, I, I would just say, if I could teach one mental skill, any gender, it would be how you how you talk to yourself. Right. Absolutely. Can, I know this is, a, this is a heavy topic, and I know we're really close on time, but could you dive a little bit deeper into the self-image piece? Because I, I couldn't agree with you more that this needs, mm -hmm. this just needs more time. So the self-image is really defined by how you see yourself, mm -hmm. your, your, your identity. And that identity is shaped uh, not by a positive experience, but what I call trauma, drama, daddy, and, and mama stuff. And, and what you are consuming, what you environmentally. So, so, so conditioning, this conditioning is shaped by three things, what you see here and experience. And mindset, by definition, is a conditioned set of beliefs that drive behavior. That was like the first lesson mm -hmm. in my the first chapter. So it's giving them more tools on what are you conditioning your mind about who you are? Because our beliefs are not based off of truth, but our perception of the truth. So giving them skills on identifying their values to identify what's most important, identify what's in your control by identifying strengths, by teaching gratitude, have to get to, you know, I have versus what I don't have um, and how to be a great teammate. Because words matter. How, how someone talks to you shapes your self-image. Parents on this podcast, how you speak to your kids becomes their self-talk, becomes their self-image. So it's just giving the, having them take the power back and healing some of those past traumatic experiences where someone's labeled them a certain thing or called them a certain thing or they had a certain bad experience and they hold on to that. And that, that experience is creating an image that's creating a belief that flows into an action. So just say, hey, we can, we can, we can work on this. You know, you aren't defined by that experience. You know, you can take your, your, your power back. And, um, you know, I'd grown up as a kid, we had this magazine called East Bay. Yeah, yeah. This was, this was before for Amazon prime, you can, you know, or the, the Nike app, man, I'm, that Nike app or stock X, I mean, that stuff is dangerous for me because I'm ordering J's and air force ones. Um, but you can literally look at that catalog and decide, you know, what, what do you want to wear for that season? Like I want these gloves and these socks and these shoes or whatever it is. And then you wear them. Well, like don't find yourself, create yourself, create yourself. 
Lauren Johnson, another great mental coach, she says elite by choice. So it's it's a decision. So decide the values, decide the, the thoughts and behaviors and act like that person. For UCLA, one of our big themes that was sticky last year was act as if. Act as if. What would that person act like? You know, this best version of you, you know, who's genuine, who is resilient, who's a finisher. Start acting like that person now. But you get to define it. You don't, you don't need to let society or followers on Instagram or even your parents or your peers do that for you. You can take your, your power back. But it takes work because the brain is wired to, to be negative. That's why this mental conditioning is such a powerful thing. Uh, listeners out there, if they want to quiet their mind, they can obviously get this book. Where can they get it? And then what other areas can I point them to? Uh, just go to Amazon, uh, Quiet Mind. I, I'm so mad at myself, DJ, because I recorded the audio for this in April of 2021. And it's all self-published. And Amazon made it more difficult to get that thing on Audible. So, I mean, fingers crossed. I got to figure that one out. But you can go to, to Amazon to get, uh, there's a, a Kindle version and there's a physical copy. But it's like, it reads like a workbook. Would you agree? Like, it's kind of like a workbook. I love it. I absolutely love it, man. I love, I love, yeah. I love the credit that you give to other people. And then I, yeah, I love that you can fill in and actually like do the work. It's not like, Hey, grab another piece of paper. It's like, no man, it's all right in here. Yeah. So I'd go to Amazon. You know, I, I post some stuff on, on Instagram at Colin Henderson, uh, LinkedIn at Colin Henderson, Twitter, you know, C underscore hand 83 really weak on Twitter. Um, I have a podcast, which is master mindset podcast. And my website is the Colin Awesome. Colin, thanks for taking the time, man. It was really fun learning from you. DJ, let's let's wrap this up. B- big, biggest learning today. Oh gosh, there's so many. I think <laughs> I like I like that I'm not defined by this. That sits really, really deep with me because I think a lot of people find themselves rooted in their outcomes versus in the process. So to me, that one that one probably sticks out the most. But everything, everything you said, man, is golden nuggets. And I just asked that because when I coach people, I was like, okay, what'd you learn? Now, now what, what are you going to do about it? Like listeners, is this for your entertainment? Is this for your education? Or is this for transformation? So um, take one or two concepts, share it with a loved one, a teammate, a colleague, and sit down at Starbucks and talk about it. Do, do a FaceTime teammate mental workout and break it down for you. So let's not let this just be education mm-hmm. or entertainment. Let's make this transformation. Thanks, Colin. We'll do that.